0: guys. You're listening to Mama Knows Podcast with your host, Nina Cavagiola, a.k.a. Balconina. Join in weekly as she walks alongside you to navigate topics around motherhood, mental health, self-love, and relationships. The good, bad, and funny.
1: This interview with Dr. Tracy is a so fitting for my life right now because, and I think your life too, honestly, if you're married or in a relationship, this is definitely an episode to listen to. It is about the mental load we carry as women, the workload we feel isn't fair in relationships, and then the resentment that we carry for our partners during these workload days situations, right? Tom and I just had a discussion about workload last week. And it's funny because I ended up being wrong in the situation. However, I didn't realize it because I just really needed him to explain to me what was going on in his head. And that's where we as women who can tend to be in charge and in control and want everything to be done the right way, that's where we can fall off is we forget to recognize the things that our partners are doing. So I love that we are talking about it today. I love that I have been called out very respectfully, very lovingly by my husband. And in this episode, you'll notice where I realize, oh, I'm the problem. It's me. So let's dive in with Dr. Tracy about the workload in marriage. Tracy, I'm so excited to have you back on the podcast. It has mm-hmm. been a while. I think one of you were one of my first episodes, so I'm super Was excited. I really? Is yes. Been long, Nina. Oh my goodness, that's yeah. crazy. I think like over six months. I think. I, yeah. So I'm so excited to have you back. I think that you speak so well. All of your social media posts are like they're like aligned with my life. It's like you're talking to me. <laughs> So it it works. Why don't you tell my listeners just quickly who you are in case they didn't catch that first episode? Yes, of course. I'm a psychologist
0: and couples therapist. I'm here in Ottawa. And, you know, a few years ago, back in 2018, I was dissatisfied with how we were talking about relationships in social media, in the public space, and... While I was nursing my daughter in the depths of the winter, also experiencing just how hard relationships are after having children, I started creating my Instagram space, online resources for people, and it's and my own podcast. And so it's just been so cool to see people all over the world joining me in these webinars, learning how to build or rebuild connections with their partner um, and feeling connected. So the biggest thing for me is that I'm also a mom of two. So I've got two little ones at home.
1: Yes. Thank you for sharing all that. I, I love that you have created such an amazing space for couples. I actually share your stuff all the time in my stories. I just shared uh, yesterday you had posted something about how do we make time for each other? And you posted how do we make time for each other after kids? And there are some things in there that are so like simple and duh that we don't do. Literally holding hands while on a walk. Like what, (laughs) why, why did I think of that? And you've got the good stroller, right? You can push the stroller and hold hands. Or if it happens
0: to be one of those special nights, you know, we don't have family living in town with us. So whenever we have people visit us, the one thing we do is we put the kids to bed. If we don't happen to get a date night, or even if we do get a date night, we still do this. We leave the kids, we take the dog and we walk just the two of us with the dog. We hold hands. We get to talk about what's going on in the neighborhood. Like it's just one of those moments that is so small and simple. Or now what we're doing is we walk to pick up or drop off, not every day, but sometimes. And then we're holding hands and just connecting, right? It's those small things frequently that help deepen and maintain our connection.
1: Yeah. And and honestly, I think we underestimate the power of touch, right? Like we don't realize how much someone else's skin on our skin, especially the person you love, mm. can like in, increase those endorphins, right? And a certain kind of touch, because if it's like a light
0: touch and you have been touched out all day long, that's not going to feel good. But if your partner can come in and give you that big squeeze and a good 30 second hug, that's going to feel much different than just this like tickle down your back. Interesting. I love that. So
1: today we're actually going to talk about the workload between in relationships. Mm -hmm. And this all came about, I met. For those of you who are listening, I messaged Dr. Tracy. I was like, girl, we need to talk about this on the podcast. (laughs) It was a post that you had put up called, Why am I so triggered when my partner says, just tell me what to do? Okay, I'm triggered just reading that because it's so triggering. (laughs) As soon as I saw that, I sent it to her. I said, we need an episode on this because I think we all feel it. I think it's often talked about. And I want to dive in about why are we triggered? Why, why is this happening? How have I created a third child, third child in my house? Um, But I want to start off by asking, what does a healthy load look like in a relationship?
0: Mm. So that's a really good question because this is going to depend on each person's situation, each person's context. And what works now might actually not work Later on. So remember, in relationships, there's a point of fluidity that we need. We need flexibility when we're approaching things. So just because, you know, I'm doing the garbage today doesn't mean I want to be the garbage taker outer for the rest of my life, right? Like everything in response is, it depends. It depends on where you are. But one of the most important things, if we want to kind of find a definition of this, is that it has to feel fair. And so the moment where you're saying, this isn't fair, I have to do it all. And the moment you start to feel resentful in your relationship is usually a good sign that things are not fair and the load isn't working for you, for you both.
1: What if you are feeling resentful? Like I've been feeling a little bit resentful lately. And I think part of it, just to give you some context, I'm more, I'm the working one in our family my husband stays at home he helps me with work does a lot of extra things on the side but in my head I feel like I'm doing so much and cleaning and this and like what's he doing so what if I feel resentful and then I share that with him and he said and then he lists off like a million things that he is Mm. doing and I'm like oh yeah he is doing that why do I still feel resentful
0: I think there are two pieces in there. And that is always when it comes to resentment, when we talk about resentment, it's like the self and the other. So before I do that though, can I just pause to normalize this feeling of resentment? I remember in my relationship when it first showed up and it showed up after having a child, I was really taken aback by it and initially thought, Oh no, we're doomed. What's going on. Right. And resentment. Anytime I pull my community over 86% of people say they feel resentful towards their partner. The challenge that often shows up in a relationship is that then we don't do anything about it. And so then we start getting into gridlock and we get into frustrations and then we start acting out that frustration towards our partner, which also then doesn't lead anything to change things just start to get worse. So if you are feeling resentful, I want to encourage you, nudge you, come join me over on Instagram, check out some of the webinars and programs I have just so that you're not getting stuck in this. But what's happening here is that there might be a piece of other where you need, so this is like the interpersonal piece where you start to talk with your partner, with your husband around What do we need to do differently? Like, how can we divide this up together? And we can talk about that. And then the other one would be looking at ourselves. So, when your partner does then list off all these things and you feel okay with that, and you're like, oh, right. So, maybe the load is more divided than how I understand it. I think it's important for us to recognize any tricky thought patterns that we have in our relationship. So, one thing that we're really good at doing is discounting the positive. So we always find, always. We find the negatives. right? So though maybe that time when your partner leaves the dishes on the side of the table. and you're like, oh, again, you always leave the dishes there. But you discount seeing that they picked up all of the kids' toys, that they brought the kids to daycare, to school, they made the lunches, right? So that's one of the things that we do, or it's like a confirmation bias. We're looking for those negatives. And if in our minds, this is our own individual self, if in our mind we spend all that time finding those negatives, then we are feeding that narrative and that feeling of resentment. This Mm -hmm. is all on me, this isn't fair.
1: It's almost like you just made me realize that I'm so overwhelmed and overstimulated in life lately that I'm literally looking for reasons to find how my husband's not doing enough because he literally just said to me we had this discussion last week how uh, I told him I felt like he could be doing more and then he listed up all the things he's like well you don't ever seem to notice when I do do this 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 wow. this and like he he's definitely i'm going to give it to him definitely the better communicator in our marriage but then you know i felt a little bad about it but then okay so this kind of leads me to my next question because i i yeah, totally so, think oh god Pause for a second yeah. yeah so i and i know this i'm really good at
0: overwhelming myself i have a feeling that you and i are both like we're like the goers the drivers we're mm-hmm. like okay what's next let's go keep going right and that yeah. is something I'm so good at doing. And so if my partner is out and I'm at home and the kids are kind of running around and I see a moment for myself, I'm like, okay, great. I'll just put these dishes here. And then I'm deep cleaning. Yeah. the kitchen, And then I'm doing the back tiles. And then I'm like magic <laughs> erasering the wall the whole way around the kitchen. And then my mind goes, he, What's he doing? Helps Yeah, helps yeah. out. He doesn't do anything, right? And like, that is nothing to do about my husband with Greg. Like he does the things, he does. But it's me in that moment creating all of this overwhelm an extra task for myself, and and the the common objection I hear from people is like, well, the things have to get done, and you're right, the things do have to get done, but we have to be choosy about that. It's not possible to do it all. And the piece with resentment that shows up is when my partner chooses to sit down on the couch and put their feet up for a moment to relax, and I'm choosing to deep clean the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Do I have to deep clean the kitchen in that moment?
1: What mm-hmm. do you do with those thoughts that are like? Well, it has to get done. Mm -hmm. Who's going to do it?
0: Yeah.
1: I uh, Just to kind of... Okay, so the whole rabbit hole you went down when you were cleaning the dishes and then you were whatever. You know, we all do that, right? And I said to Tom, I said, I feel like I'm... When I do something and then I'm like, okay, that task is done. I never stop at that task. I am always doing more and more and more because it needs to get done. And I literally said to him, I'm like... He takes tasks literal. He'll literally look at a list because we have a cleaning list because lists are what works for us. And there's nothing wrong with lists because you've got them. If if it's not out there, no one's going to know about it. You or Tom will know about it. He looks at the list, he cleans the bathroom, and then he's like, I'm done. I did it. Mm -hmm. And I'm, and like, I, my therapist even says to me, he's like, well, that's fair. Like he did what's on the list. That's fair. And I'm like, yeah. but why can't he use that like space in his brain and be like, okay, I-, I have extra time. I'm gonna go do this. That's where I get frustrated. It's like I'm constantly thinking about all the extra thing that things that needs to be done. So they're in the back of my head. Like, oh, I cleaned the bathroom and it only took me 20 minutes. I have 10 more minutes. I'm gonna go oh. call the pediatrician and make da-da-da-da-da. Oh. <laughs>
0: Why you hold more in your <laughs> mind, right? I mean, okay. So why? Why do we do this? Why society's upbringing, right? We are taught to be certain ways within our gender roles. Yeah, so yeah. if we think of that why women tend to be caregivers we tend to hold all of this information inside of us and you know also too I think this is something that starts small and then starts to grow and so then what ends up happening in a relationship you've already labeled it is like then I feel like I'm the parent to another child so it's like the parent-child dynamic which is I tell Tom what has to be done right that doesn't feel good or uh, Harriet Lerner talks about this in her book, The Dance of Anger, which is um, one person over functions and the other person under functions. And so the over problem solves and taskmasters and tells the other person what to do and how to solve things. And the other person is like, oh, all right, well, Nina's going to tell me what to do. So I don't have to think about this. And that's the dynamic that we get into in our relationship, because at some point, Tom, any of their partners, all functioned on their own fine. They might not have had the spotless bathroom every week, like it's nice to have, but they were okay before we came along.
1: But like, really, really, would he be OK without me? I don't know. Would you? No. Like- <laughs> we have to look at our standards. <laughs> OK, no, I'm just being a smart ass. But for real, like he wouldn't. He, he wouldn't. He would not. <laughs> um. So women carry a bigger mental load. Mm-hmm. Society has kind of molded us into this. And. How do we, as moms and mother and wives who are overstimulated, overtired and just feel like we're carrying it all, yeah. how do we step back from thinking like that? What are some things we can do right now that will shift that thinking? Yeah,
0: right. There's an objection I often hear when I talk about this piece, and that is, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to initiate the conversation? Why do I have to explain to my partner what the mental load is? Why? And, and I get that. And I want to really validate for anyone listening. If you feel that way, I get it. Like it's so hard that these conversations land on us. And there's also something really empowering of being able to understand something and to say, I want something to be different for me so I can show up differently. And so use that empowerment to then tackle this conversation. So first, I think we need to start in a space of accepting that our partners are different than us. We see this in all relationships. What's interesting though, actually, is that in gay and lesbian couples, they don't, they don't have these issues around the mental load as much because they don't have gender divided tasks. So Mm -hmm. super interesting. Um, But so, okay. So what do we want to make sure we want to first, how do we have a conversation with our partners? Many people don't even know what the mental load is. And so what happens though, is that we get into this this space of frustration and resentment, and then we burst it out to our partner and say, you never help. And then this snowballs into this negative cycle. So we need to step back and have a conversation and be able to say, there's this concept I've learned about, can we talk about it in a very non-defensive and open way so that we can function better together, right? When we think of this, we as a team, it's so much more powerful than just rather so that you can learn to help me more.
1: Mm-hmm. so <laughs> it's funny because my next question is literally my next question is literally hot. <laughs> okay
0: so hang on so before we go there, I think so this comes from fair play this is Eve Rodsky's work around her three pieces she talks about conceptualizing planning and execution so there are three parts to any task that you do conceptualizing is what is it what needs to be done planning, how am I going to go and do that? Execution is actually doing the thing. And what we find is that people who only offload the execution of a task, like let's say holiday Christmas gifts, chances are Nina, you've already planned out when they have to be bought. You've already mapped out who's getting what and what still needs to be done. And now you're just going to tell Tom, okay, make sure you go buy X, Y, Z at the store Mm. to finish off holiday planning. Okay. Make sure you go and wrap the gifts. And that's just the execution. And when we only give execution to our partners, we are more likely to build resentment because guess what? Execution is the easy part. That's why it is so triggering when our partners say, just tell me what to do because you're like, no, that's not just what it is. It's that I've been thinking about getting our kids into sports for months. I've been thinking about when are soccer lessons, I've been thinking about what do I need to buy in order to get my son to soccer. And then I'm thinking about what are the emotional pieces I have to navigate with him. And then you just take him to soccer. That's the easy
1: part. It's Mm -hmm. all the stuff that comes before it, that is actually weighing on us. Wow, I wish, like, I really wish somebody would just have me execute things all day long. I'd be so good at it. (laughs) We all would. It would be so much easier, right? Where's the master list that, like, navigates all of the things? Yeah. I love it. I love how you dissected that. It it makes so much sense. And um, it, it can look like they're doing stuff when they're just executing. So, how do we help our partners feel motivated? to take more charge from step one and or how do we like give that like for example like my son I think needs to be in like a jujitsu or like karate type thing he's a sensory seeking child and I think he would benefit from it but god forbid I have time to even think about where to even find a place. Mm-hmm. How do I bring that up now at the very baby stages in order for my husband to see it through. And so that
0: you don't also take on that. Yeah. So I think we could talk to our partners around some of these tasks that are important to our families. So making sure our family values are aligned, because if you are saying, I want to put my son in this, but he doesn't see the value of that. We even need to talk about that to begin with, because if our partners don't see the value of something, it's going to be really hard for them to do it. Mm -hmm. Right. So they, this could come to a conversation around what are our family values? What's really important? What do, we, what do we want to instill in our child right now? How can we do this? Okay. So one of the things I've been thinking about and I've been reading about is this, is this something that you can take ownership of and I'm going to leave it to you and you're going to do all the things. I'm not going to look it up. I'm not going to check on you. I'm not going to tell you how to do it or to do it faster. That's on you. and that can be really uncomfortable Mm -hmm. because sometimes we have to sit in the space of what if the ball is dropped? What if it's not done and that might happen and that's really hard. And then that's another conversation, right? So addressing the mental load is not a one-time conversation. It's kind of what I said at the beginning. We're constantly having to flex and flex again and assess, reassess with our partners of how things are going.
1: Mm -hmm. I love that because this is something my therapist and I have talked about. Having that control over something feels really good, but then it also Mm -hmm. feels overwhelming because you have so much control over so many different things. So in therapy, I've talked about how I would just rather do things because I know they'll get done and they'll get done right. So that i know i'm the problem it's me on that uh, <laughs> but it's funny i had this song in my head before we popped on together <laughs> it's all i but, feel like i'm always the problem <laughs> but, well, but we both did, are in relationship yeah.
0: dynamics right but like yeah that that control piece and i know so many of us can tap into that. It was one of the reasons why I felt so exhausted going back to work and then putting my children into daycare. I would be, I would receive the text during the day. I was finding the daycare. I was navigating the daycare package bag that we had to pack with them and any Mm. other extra things. And, you know, when it came to putting the kids in school, I had said to my partner, it's you, this one's yours. I'm not going to do any of it. And today I, I'm still on the email list, both parents are. I have to resist the urge. I open the email just to be, you know, up to whatever it is. I have to resist the urge to text my husband and say, it's orange shirt day. Do you have it? Right? Or it's pajama day with stuffies. Do you know this? Yeah. Because that is my need to let go of control. Which throws in something else here. And this is what Eve talks about really well. And I think it's so important. She calls it the, I'm going to mix it up, the minimum standard of care there's a minimum of standard of care that we all need to have like a household that's functional. So, you know, you can't have the garbage piling up because then you go to throw something in the garbage and everything falls over. And that takes more time, right? You need to have a sanitary and clean space. That's one piece. Your child needs to be involved in pajama and stuffy day because guess what? Like, That is them and their love and belonging. They need to feel like they are connected with their friends at school. That is a minimum standard of care that we all need to be giving to our children.
1: Mm -hmm. So let's say you gave up that control. You're you're expecting your partner to follow through with these tasks and then they drop the ball multiple times, like more Mm -hmm. than once. Mm -hmm. What would then, what do you do then? Because I'm about to freak out. Like if you keep forgetting to send my kid to daycare with mittens in Wisconsin.
0: (laughs) Wisconsin. (laughs) You join me in Be Connected and I teach you how to communicate so that it works. (laughs) And to heal some old wounds. I teach you that inside Be Connected. But, you know, I think one of the most important things is asking yourself, how am I going to tackle this conversation? We wouldn't go to our child and shame them. Why go to our partners and shame them? How could you, how could you let this happen? Why can't you ever just pull it together, right? Like those are such shaming responses. And what's interesting is we turn to our children and we're doing all of this conscious, gentle, positive parenting stuff, right? And then we turn to our spouses, our partners, and we're critical and hostile. and like, we don't use any of those tools. So those tools are being able to say, wow, this was one of those minimum standard of care things. And I feel really uncomfortable knowing that our child didn't have mitts there. And actually it's risky for their hands and their skin. They need mitts. So I know this is one of your tasks, how, you know, like talk to me about what happened. And if we can come from a space of being really curious and compassionate with our partners, we can open doors to problem solving together rather than closing them and getting stuck into our negative relationship cycles right? Going to your partner, like what's, what's getting in the way of packing up the gear, what strategies could be helpful to you? Do you want me to sit with you and we could problem solve some of those? Or maybe, maybe you don't want to do that. And you say, listen, I need you to go figure out a system mm-hmm. to get this done. Cause it's, it can't happen.
1: But then two things, mm-hmm. then it, it's still in the back of your head. Cause you're like, yeah. the mittens aren't going to daycare. It's still in the back of your head. So there's that load. To what if you are what if you do take that like respectful peaceful approach, which I love. I'm a big fan of, but I feel like a lot of men. I can't. Okay, I shouldn't say that. I feel like it can people can get insulted and feel uh-huh. defensive when you talk to them respectfully. Isn't that crazy? But yes, do you feel? It just do you came hear out that of my
0: yes. It just did. You see my stories yesterday? Like it, no. I posted a boundary statement last week around when your partner loses their keys and how you can address it. (laughs) And then my husband leaves the keys in the door and I'm like, are you creating content for me? What's going on here? Um, And I had shared a boundary statement in response to a question, which is what if you don't have time to find the keys? And so I shared how you can do that in a very respectful, loving way. And many people DM'd me saying, Dr. Tracy, this feels demeaning. And so we talked about it in stories. Here's the thing. Why is it demeaning to our partner, but it's not demeaning to our children? The piece here is that many of us haven't had this respectful, assertive, kind, loving way of speaking to each other. And so if it's the first time you're going to your partner and using this stuff, yeah, it feels a little funny, but then over time it will change. And you can remind your partner, you know, I'm not trying to be demeaning to you. Or you can ask them, what part of what I'm saying is demeaning? And again, maybe there's a nonverbal that they're picking up on that you're unaware of, or maybe there's like something about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or there's, right, there's something about them that they're struggling with. And again, how we speak, like you, you can even use the work context of like, well, I would speak to a colleague this way. Should we not be speaking this way to each other? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I don't come in and say, like, why did not you complete the Excel sheet and put off the p and Like, how could you forget to do that?
1: <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I do feel like sometimes with my husband, he does get when he's frazzled. And I think part of it is like when we're frazzled, the last thing we want is someone to like telling us to calm down. And I feel like sometimes he feels like I'm telling him to calm down. In yeah. one example, this morning, he, uh, my son wouldn't get his boots on, which is a battle every morning, but he just kept saying, Dom, Dom, Dom. And I'm like, and I literally was like, how can I help you? Like saying his name over and over again isn't going to, and maybe I shouldn't have said that, but like, we've talked about this multiple times. And then he he feels like, I got it. Just let me deal with it. Mm-hmm. He like gets defensive, like let me deal with it mm-hmm. when I'm really just tr- truly trying to help because i'm I'm calm yeah. i can I can help mm-hmm. <sighs> and sometimes be
0: and this is one of my favorite strategies from Mila. she's joyful.parents on Instagram. Her, she talks about parent A and parent B. So if Tom's parent A in that moment, you can gently nudge in and say, do you want me to be parent B? I can, or parent A, I can tap you out. Oh. And that can be really helpful. So in the moment they're seeing it, they're like, they're making that decision. So Tom gets the autonomy to decide whether I want Nina to come in or not. And sometimes you might say yes. And other times you might say no. Hey, do you want me to be parent A right now? No, no, we're good. And, and Nina, this is such a common experience that shows up for the couples in my office which is like, you know, hey, I was having such a hard time with our little one earlier. Why weren't you there? And the other partner will say, well, because last time I tried to be there and you said, get out of here. So I'm not going to help you anymore. And then, then we just come into this like titter tat cycle of, who's going to do what. And so we've Mm. got to like have a reset, which is like, let's reset. Let's come back to the space of like, what's going to work for us? Because ultimately when you both feel like you're functioning as a team and you can like high five each other and be like, Hey, you want me to step in? Yeah, no. And we're responding kindly and with love with each other. Everything feels easier. Mm.
1: Yeah. And that sounds so amazing. And I do want to shout out to the parents who literally feel and you know this like you have little's sometimes you're just so overwhelmed and annoyed and you the you know you just just want to vent let vent it out let it out and it's it's totally normal to feel like you just want to be mad at your partner for not doing it right even though You're not doing it right either, right? Like it it happens to everyone.
0: Totally, and 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 you can, right? You can be upset with your partner for not following through with what you agreed upon, and you're responsible for how you choose to communicate that to your partner.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love, I love everything you said, and I really want to kind of just close it out with. I want to feel less resentment, and when I feel unseen and I know we kind of touched on this in the beginning because sometimes we feel resentment and it's really (laughs) the whole image of the situation is completely different, right? Like he sees he's doing things. I see he's not, how do you overall just like calm yourself in that moment when you feel resentment? What are some strategies, like physical strategies that you can give us that will help us, calm that resentment down and think more logically.
0: Yeah. I mean, we need space and time, right? So when, if we're going into resentment, we can definitely be activated in our bodies. So you being able to just pause and step away. And when you do that, I, I tend not to recommend doing any kind of meditative breathing because it's like, when a bear is at your front door, you don't say to the bear, oh, hang on, I'm just going to take a few deep breaths and then I'll deal with you, right? No, we've got to do other strategies. Go to the bathroom, splash cold water on your face, or run your wrists under cold water, or go and squeeze an ice cube. If you can, get outside for a brisk walk, or even just stand on your front porch, take in, we're cold here in Ottawa too, right? Take in that cold air and look up and just notice things. So using all of your senses to really ground yourself. So temperature using your senses, and then also movement is really good. So if you need to go and get that walk, or if you want to just kind of like march on spot, and then what comes after that, when you feel more connected with yourself, you can then start to say, okay, I noticed anger. I noticed resentment. What was this feeling telling me? What is it that I'm struggling with? What am I taking on too much of myself? What do I need? And then asking yourself, how can I communicate with others?
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. I do want to say that Tom and I, when we started making lists and talk, we work together uh, at home. So it's a little bit more difficult because we need to be more conscious of each other's space and time, but we've started. Yeah. My husband and I are both at home too. And it's the
0: boundaries and and Mm -hmm. it's so hard because you get into bed at 9 PM and then like the work question shows up. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly. Boundaries. But also just like making lists. We have a cleaning list like every day because we have we struggle just keeping up with all the daily tasks. Mm -hmm. And then also because we working from home makes it hard, right? Because you feel like I could be doing dishes, you know, I Mm -hmm. could be. So we make a list of all the tasks. And then we check in every single morning and say, what is important to you today? What do you need to get done? We use We used to do it weekly, like the Sunday family meeting. And that that's nice for our marriage. We talk about like what's important emotionally for our relationship. But Mm. every day we check in and say, Okay, today it's really important for me to I get I have to uh, edit this campaign, send it off. And I have a podcast interview and he'll say, I have emails. And then it's really important for me to get the, he's building a shed today. He told me it was really important for him to get the roof on the shed before it rains tomorrow. So like we have these literal verbal conversations every morning and and we've been doing this for a couple of weeks and it's been super helpful because I feel less like, well, what is he doing? He could be doing this. He could be doing more.
0: Of course. You are taking implicit expectations and wishes and desires and verbalizing them so you can get on the same page. Yeah. That's what, and like you're trying to co-create your world. That's exactly mm-hmm. what you need to be doing.
1: Yeah, and I know a lot of moms will say, like, husband comes home, stay-at-home moms, they'll say, husband comes home from work and then he expects me to do this, this, and this. And I feel like this would be a really good strategy to talk about every evening, like with your partner say okay tomorrow when you get home from work I really need x y and z are you able to help me are you able to make this work yeah so just just an idea I think that's been really helpful for us so I love
0: that tip that is such a good one yeah getting that out
1: there <laughs> thank you Dr. Tracy so much for being here again I feel like you'll be back anyway um, but tell my listeners where we can find you yeah, the best places find me on Instagram. It's
0: Dr. Tracy D. If you've listened to today, please come over and tell me what stood out for you today. What did you need to hear? What resonated? I love hearing from people who listen to um, my opportunity to sit with people like you, Nina. So thank you. Um, and then drtracyd.com. I have lots of resources there, a free quiz for you to discover your own cycle. I have a master class. It's free where you get to learn how to repair with your partner. And then of course my webinars and workshops. I have a two-part workshop. Um, over a thousand people have purchased this one, which has just been so cool to see how many people have dived into it, which is the conquer resentment workshop. Ugh, it just, it was such a, beautiful workshop. I loved it. So if people are needing more help on that, that's there, but also a little sneak peek preview. I have something coming out in the new year mm-hmm. that's also going to tackle this. Just
1: tell me what to do. <laughs> Yay. Oh, I love it. I love that you have these resources right at our fingertips because it is so hard to find therapists these days. Like there's waiting lists. It's expensive. It's this and that. And you literally have it all right there. So I love that you're doing that for all of us married people and non-married people. So thank Thank you. you Thank you. I hope this episode came at a good time for you. It is a holiday season. It is a tough season. It's winter. Things are just not the norm right now and we're still kind of in a pandemic that life is tough so I hope that you have taken something positive out of this I hope that you can meet your partner where they are at and I hope that you can learn to deal with that resentment a little bit easier if you enjoy the episode make sure that you leave a review subscribe to my podcast and follow on socials until next time